That also makes for good podcasting. Who doesn't love listening to people eat? That's going to be another one of my podcasts, just me eating. (laughs) I will not listen to that one. I'm going to pass on that. Thank you, though. Sing a Stargate Gazing podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mary, and this is my other host, Kathy. Hello, I'm Kathy. <laughs> Hi, Kathy. Hi, Mary. How are you today? I'm doing okay. It's been a long week, but yeah, we're through it, has, it. It has been a long week, yeah. um, and it is Friday that we're recording this on, and I'm happy it is Friday. <laughs> Me too. Or as they say, some people, fry-yay. Well, those people are the worst. <laughs> they are. I like to go with a pun myself of F-R-Y-D-A-Y, where you eat fried food while watching uh, Futurama. Oh, yeah. I can get a bo- I could get That's, on board with that one, I think, yeah. much better than I could get on board with fry-yay. <laughs> Fair. And I normally like portmanteaus. I don't know why I don't like that one. But uh, no, no, that doesn't do it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Now I want some French fries, though. Ah, that would be great. I'm having pizza after this, though, so I'll just have to. Oh, my God. I'll have to. Yeah. I'll have to settle for that. Not that it's really settling because it's my favorite food. So I'm not settling at all. But uh, glorious. (laughs) Do you already have your toppings picked out? No, I'm just going to leave that up to uh, Jeff to pick out. And it will magically appear right around the time that we're probably done recording this. Olives, right? <laughs> That's grounds for divorce. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. No, so he probably won't. <laughs> if if he ordered a pizza, if I told him that I'd been thinking about pizza all day, and then he ordered a pizza and it showed up and it was just all covered in olives, I would literally just walk out of the house and never come back. <laughs> he knows better by now. <laughs> that would for sure be grounds for divorce. That is fair. I I like olives, but if I did not, if somebody showed up with a whole pepperoni pizza, that's probably how I would go to. Oh, see, that would be amazing. I'd be fine with that. I just don't like tasting bile on my food, and that's what olives taste like. So that's why I don't like olives. Hmm. I <laughs> must love like the bile. taste of bile then. <laughs> because you're gross and weird. That is true. So instead of talking about pizza... I suppose we should talk about this episode of Stargate that we watched. We should. What was it called again? I have already forgotten. It was called Emancipation. Ah, yes, right. And this was uh, season one, episode four. Right. Technically, if we're going by DVD numbering, right? Yes. As we should. I don't know why, but. aren't you watching dvds now too i am watching dvds okay well then yeah (laughs) we're both watching the dvds so (laughs) that makes sense to go by that numbering system in fact this uh particular dvd menu when it comes on but you know it does its little opening because it has i don't do you I don't know if this is still true because I don't buy a lot of DVDs, but, you know, a lot of DVDs when they These first the started being DVDs a thing. Oh, okay, fair. <laughs> but a lot of them when the DVDs first started becoming popular had these really elaborate, like, opening sequences to get oh, to yeah. the menu. I forgot about those. So this one's kind of long, but not, like, crazy like some of them. But, like, 
they it, you know it goes and you know pans in into the stargate and opens the stargate opens and then somebody commands enter the stargate oh weird and, i don't actually wa- i don't have a landing screen like that i just yeah uh go into our computer and just launch the episode nice. from there but yeah so i was i was like oh i i guess i will enter the stargate all mm. right <laughs> did it make a any any fun noises i mean it, there were effects, and I think I think it made a noise, but now I can't remember. Oh, I always like your sound effects. I was hoping that you'd do. One. Oh, um, sorry. <laughs> that wasn't one. That was the opposite no. of a sound effect. That's that was true. that was silence. <laughs> Sometimes silence is loud. Okay, it's true. So true. <laughs> We open this episode with Carter coming out the Stargate onto a planet to join the rest of SG-1 who are kind of surveying a a little bit of ruins near the gate. They don't know who made that or, you know, who built this temple that long ago was destroyed is what they surmise. And they're hoping that those people are long gone and won't come back to destroy them too. (laughs) Hopefully not. Hopefully not. And then while they're doing that, they start to hear in the distance some dogs... It is soon apparent that there is a young man being chased by a pack of dogs, which is pretty scary. I don't know. Uh, just the thought of it. I don't know. I would rather not be chased by a pack of dogs, especially having been bitten by a dog while I was out running. Yeah. Once. Uh, having four dogs coming after me would be even yeah. more scary than that was. Yeah. So this young yeah. man runs uh, as as you would. And <laughs> Indeed, the, the dogs do catch up to him, unfortunately, and they start tearing at his clothes. But fortunately, since SG One saw them, they're coming upon them, and O'Neill pulls his gun out and shoots it in the air, scaring off the dogs. Those dogs, though, were so cute and happy looking. Like they obviously like <laughs> dubbed in the angry dog noises because if you actually looked at them, the dogs were so happy and just having so much fun to be doing their job Aww. of uh, acting and playing with this guy. That that I found that distractingly adorable. Aww, <laughs> that is adorable. He was great. I love dogs, despite having been bitten by one. I think yeah. they're great. Yeah. Uh, so they they approach one another, and after a very small moment it becomes apparent we are all speaking english this episode with I no questions i made a note on that one too yeah. why would they all speak english i don't know but i'm willing to go with it like if they're just gonna commit to one yeah that's cool we probably shouldn't bring it up every time because i think this actually happens a lot so uh yeah. it'll get old if we're always harping on it when they're speaking english on other planets we could change it to <laughs> Kathy and Mary complain about Stargate's <laughs> language issues for hours on end. I don't know that that would be a very compelling. Maybe, maybe not. So they I almost spit my beer out my nose. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Delicious. Don't mind me sniffling. It's not COVID. It's beer. <laughs> at, le- at least you're doing this over a recording, and yeah. it's not you're not sniffling at people. No, I am person. not in the same room sniffling at you or anybody else for that matter. Uh, <laughs> um, so they introduce one another. Jack and Daniel introduce themselves to um, this kid whose name is Abu. Mm-hmm. And I, it took me, I know he introduces himself right off the bat, but the entire episode, it took till near the end before I realized <laughs> that was his name. Like, I just didn't catch it. And then at the end, I was like, oh, okay. 
So he changed I, it in my talking, but I did get his name, but I didn't get the name for like anybody else till the end of the episode. So same, yeah. Um, so he introduces himself as his people as the Shavadai, mm-hmm. and he says they're the people of the step. SG One sort of does the little like dancing around where they're from. They're like, oh, we're from far away, and he's like over. I forget what he said, but he's like, oh, over at this group. And they're like, oh, no, no, further. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He and said, are you uh, from the people of the river? And they're like, right. no, beyond that. Yeah. And I think it was like the Sea of Abogai or something. I like have that. no idea what the yeah. word is. I, I actually have in my note that he said something unintelligible and that O'Neill is like, sure. sure. <laughs> and that's as much of that conversation as I got. Yeah. <laughs> It reminded me of Sliders, where they always pretended they were from Canada when they oh, were yeah. dropped into a situation where they, <laughs> it was not good for them to reveal what who they were and what mm-hmm. they were doing. I love that show, too. I did, too. It was a fun show. They're talking, and uh, Carter and Teal come up to, uh, to, to join them all, and um, they introduce Teal, and then they introduce Dr. Carter, and... He, the kid turns around and realizes Carter's a woman. Blame it all on yourself, cause she's always a woman to me. Yeah. Scandalous. And he backs away from her. <laughs> he really can't, he can't even deal. He just can't. He doesn't look at her. He's like, this is a woman. Oh my God. Um, and then um, some other folks approach too. He t- basically, he's like, he suddenly is like, telling them to take Carter and get out of there. But yeah, the others appear and they immediately, they also see Carter and then basically it looks like they're about to take SG-1 prisoner when we go to credits. Yes. So we get our opening credits and then return back to the scene on the planet. O'Neill fires his gun in the air and waves it around uh, as if trying to imply that they've got better weapons than the other guys. So the other guys should be standing down. And then Abu's dad comes riding up wearing a distractingly bad wig and asks why (laughs) Abu didn't come back. And Abu says, uh, mentions that he was being chased by the dogs and that SG-1 saved him. So dad here wants to know why all of his men have their weapons drawn and the warriors say that it's because they have a woman with them so dad leader asks what kind of weapons sg1 has and when sam is the one that dares to actually answer this question he says she speaks she dies abu insists that they can't kill sg1 because sg1 just saved his life so carter and dad leader have a staring contest for a few minutes. And then he says that since a woman saved a life, hers cannot be taken. And uh, he says that they will be his guests so that he can teach them their ways. And Sam wants to just pick up their stuff and leave and go back to Earth since she is still not uh, sure why it is that they're so upset about her presence. But here it's actually Daniel that insists, nope, we really need to stay and study this ancient culture up close. Daniel... I think he just doesn't get it because he's not the yeah. one they're freaking out about. Right. And... <laughs> I feel like, like from a female perspective, I can totally understand why she just wanted a piece out of there. And yeah. I would want to do the exact same thing in her situation. Yeah. Ugh. They un- enter this the camp of the the folks they've just met. The uh, Shabbatai. The Shabbatai. Uh, 
you can see a woman peek out and smile. She's very excited to see uh, them return. Um, you do see before she comes out, she or as she's coming out, she covers her face to go greet them. There are more women who are all dressed up, basically covered from head to toe, that also come out. Um, everyone's really happy to see them return. It made me wonder where Abu was supposed to have been because everyone is like shouting his name and so happy to see him back. But he was like just outside of town being chased at, by these dogs. He wasn't that far. So uh, it made me really curious about the backstory that they never actually addressed. Yeah. Like, did they know he was being chased by dogs? Right. Did they just, did he just like run off with dogs after him? And they're like, oh, well, I guess he's gone forever. Or had he, he actually been gone like on a long journey and yeah. was just returning home when he met the dogs? We never really find out. Like maybe the folks who came upon them um, were the search party sent out to look for him. Mm. Or something. Yeah, at, we don't even know that much. Were they a search party looking for him, or were they just like on patrol, or or what? They never go into any of that. No. So then we are inside one of the tents, and they start to Daniel starts to give what he surmises is the background of these folks, uh, like how they got here. He said they were basically Mongols or of descended of that, and they said that. Those particular Mongols settled in Persian China and adapted to the local culture, except for the Shagatai, uh, who kept their nomadic lifestyle. And he, he is guessing that the Shavadai are descendants of those folks uh, brought through the Stargate. Yeah, and he mentioned here that these could be descendants of Genghis Khan and sharing his um, lifestyle, essentially a lifestyle, a nomadic lifestyle that had gone extinct like 900 years ago. Which, first of all, it bothered me that he said Genghis Khan when he's supposed to be an anthropologist and it's generally accepted that it's Genghis Khan. But maybe that's actually more recent research than um, was actually happening when this was filmed. But also, he sounded like super in awe of the fact that this could be the culture of Genghis Khan, even though Genghis Khan was responsible for like 40 million deaths and... Personally, yeah. I probably wouldn't be as excited to meet a culture that was inspired by someone who was responsible for that many deaths. Yeah. I also, the people they met on Abydos, for instance, mm -hmm. came through, were taken from Earth through the Stargate thousands and thousands yeah. of years ago, whereas the, <laughs> the yeah. people that they're talking about, that time period is way later than that. So. Yeah. Either he's not correct in his guessing or there's something there's a the Stargate wasn't necessarily always buried or they got people from somewhere else and brought them there later. I don't know. But right. Because we've yeah. been getting that idea all along that the, the gate was 10, you know, it's debate whether the gate is 10,000 years old or if we're going by my carbon dating issues then it had to have been buried for 10,000 years and they would have been dating it based on the dead stuff buried around it but um yeah in either case that society is way younger than 10,000 years old yeah so he, he I mean he's just going off the cuff he's not yeah. like an expert in this uh culture so it might just be his guess and we don't know but he, I no. feel like he's the expert in this area so I'm not sure if we're supposed to just take what he says as truth when he's saying anything. Right. Can I go on a fun tangent yes. about uh, another fun tangent about Genghis Khan? Yes. Well, I think it's fun, but I'm also a nerd, so maybe no one else cares. But Do it. did you know that 10% of the men living within the borders of the former Mongol Empire are descended from Genghis Khan based on a Y chromosome study? I did not know that. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, isn't that crazy? 
And the, uh, so that actually equates to about 0.5% of the men in the world, which means that one in 200 men in the entire world, 16 million men total, are directly descended from Genghis Khan by way of the, the Y chromosome. So they have the same Y chromosome, theoretically, they would have inherited down the line from their father and their father and their father, all the way back to Genghis Khan. The extra crazy thing is that not only are there these 16 million men who have a, a Y chromosome lineage from him, but that doesn't include anybody that might have a female descendant that interrupted that lineage. So we know he has those one in 200 or, or 16 million men total descendants. But really, if you think about all of the female descendants or people that are related to him via a female ancestor, then that number is probably like at least twice as high, if not even higher than that, as far as how many descendants Genghis Khan actually has that are still alive today. And that is just insane. That's bananas. Isn't it? Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> That's my fun tangent. You can continue now. He puts me to shame. I have zero descendants. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> I also have zero descendants. <laughs> I plan to keep it that way. I guess it's not a contest. <laughs> right. Uh, and then, oh, and then um, the old man with the bad wig enters. Um, I did look up his name, which is Mughal, M-O-U-G-H-A-L. Because the whole time I was just calling him old dad or old man. I was calling him daddy leader. Ah, nice. So they have a they have a conversation. Um, I think I also called him progressive daddy in a few places. <laughs> he is progressive daddy. That is true. Um, he says it's a death. It's death for a woman to show her face in public or wear the clothes of a man. Mm. Um, how dare she? But he also, yeah, he also talks about how the old laws will soon no longer serve us. Oh, I actually wrote, he's a progressive daddy. Uh, <laughs> and that in the future, trade will uh, replace war. And they he, he talks about how they're prepared for it because they've got strong horses and they've got fine wool. And then they, he says they've got drugs of unheard of power, which piques their interest um, among the SG1 team, he did mean medical drugs, not like yes, uh, like <laughs> like narcotic drugs. By the way, that might be worth clarifying. I guess. <laughs> I mean, the other kind could be fun too, but he was specifically referring to medicine. <laughs> oh, we've got some pretty swell drugs of our own. They want to know more about the drugs. Carter particularly wanted to see it. you know, or find out more in action, but she's told she's not properly attired, so she must be attired before Indeed. she can do that um and she's like no no that's not for me and I, not that way but uh but pretty much i yeah. mean you can't blame her <laughs> daniel daniel's like anthropologists do it and she's like i'm, I'm not, not an, an anthropologist, anthropologist. And Jack, i loved her reaction here yeah <laughs> she's like yeah but i'm not one of them <laughs> yeah. no she's another awesome scientist so right exactly <laughs> And uh, but Jack's like, well, today you're an anthropologist. So uh, Carter loses that argument. So back outside, Sam is brought to another random tent, presumably to get changed. I called it the lady place. The lady place. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a great name for it. That's uh, it's pretty accurate. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, while Carter is getting changed, Abu is showing the guys off. Uh, around the village and he 
brings them to a man that's got a stab wound to the chest and shows them how clean and uh, well healed the the wound looks and talks about a, a medication that he had used on it to help in the treatment. And so that is further evidence that these people might be worthwhile to look into trading with this culture if they have advanced medicines that could help us out. They are taken back into another tent where we find Sam, who is very pissed off about the <laughs> outfit that she has been put in. Uh, she's wearing this like really tight looking uh, bodice full length dress. She has a big headdress on her head and of course a veil and she is very unhappy to be dressed like that and just talking about how uh, impractical it is and how hard to move around it is. Find me an anthropologist that dresses like this and I will eat this headdress. We take a look at the at the men that just came in the in the tent and Abu looks completely smitten. Daniel's just staring there, standing there dumbfounded with like his mouth open, looking stunned. Teal looks bored and O'Neill just looks like he's about to burst out laughing as all of this is happening. <laughs> So Abu quietly says that she is the most beautiful woman that he's ever seen and then rapidly leaves the tent. And O'Neill says, you know, it's really working for me. And Daniel's like, yeah, it's totally you. That look is you. Daniel goes on to say that they do seem to actually have some helpful medicine that would make it worthwhile to trade with them. And O'Neill tells Samantha, Samantha that they may want to come back with an all-male team next time to avoid similar issues to what is happening on this visit. Sam is understandably extremely pissed that all the guys now get to go to a party while she has to stay in a yurt all by herself. So the guys leave to go out and have some fun, and uh, O'Neill lingers behind and asks if she's going to be okay. She says that she's a big girl and she's not afraid of the dark, and uh, O'Neill makes sure to emphasize one last time how great she looks in her native uniform. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was really pretty. It was pretty cringy. Yeah. And I like to hope that at this point they have a pretty good rapport going, because if it, these are like your new co-workers, then I feel like this has a much creepier vibe yeah. than if these are people that she's already been working with for a few months at this point. Which... I think they try to set that up, but it feels problematic since it's so new to us. Right. Yeah. I have a note on that later in that they, they do mention like a past mission that they were on. So that it does seem to indicate that they have been working together for a while at this point. Yeah. But this is the first actual um, exploration, exploratory mission that we've seen them on. The only missions that we've seen so far, they're like fighting the Gua'uld and, um, you know, yeah. trying to get the people that were kidnapped. So this is our first look at an exploratory mission so we don't really know what kind of rapport they might have built up with each other yet at this right. point i i have more thoughts on that but I'll, i think i will get to them in just a moment uh -huh. um but the other thing that sucks about this is she plays the part and puts on the dumb dress and she still doesn't get to go see this drug in action i know right she doesn't get to go see the drug in action and she doesn't get to go to the fun party either so it's, it just kind of sucks to be the sam worst. here so yeah poor Poor Carter. Poor Carter. I would be extremely pissed. And I did I did appreciate that they at least had, like, she was angry. I appreciated that they at least didn't write into the script that she was, like, okay with it and sat by demurely. Like, she was really yeah. pissed about the whole situation. So I did appreciate that they, like, gave her that chance to be angry about what was happening. Yeah. So next we see a scene of the party. There's basically a lot of, like, drumming and eating around a fire and celebration. Uh, but while this is happening, the action is actually happening in the lady tent. Um, <laughs> sounds really bad <laughs> when you word it that way. 
<laughs> Actually, it sounds pretty fun when you word it that way. <laughs> In either case, it sounds really different from what was actually happening in the lady tent. <laughs> Unfortunately, what happened wasn't fun. <laughs> Carter's asleep, which good for her, get some rest. Yeah. Uh, but How she fell asleep with all that drumming going on, I have no idea, but... I don't know. But suddenly there's a knife to her throat and hands are grabbing her and she's taken out of the tent. Like, she's gone. Boop. Boop. All gone. Yeah. Next morning, Daniel comes in to uh, wake her up. He politely averts his eyes, which I thought was nice of him to do. But then when she doesn't answer as he's coming in the tent to let her know that it's time to go, he realizes that there are like all kinds of signs of a struggle and that Sam is nowhere to be found. And here's here's the part where I wonder about their level of closeness and mm-hmm. comfort, comfort. Because he's standing outside the tent going, doctor, doctor. And that doesn't sound like they're like, very close if he's not even calling her sam or carter right and i thought it was interesting that he uh i've I've thought this before too that he always addresses her as carter as doctor rather than by her rank so it's like him being a scientist only recognizes her scientist side whereas the military guys are supposed to be calling her by her rank um why not just call her by whatever like i can't imagine that she's like daniel you call me doctor and uh o'neill and everyone else you call me by my rank like i know she, she told the other guys that they should that they should call her by her rank in the last episode but she like, did introduce herself to daniel as dr samantha carter and oh, not okay. colonel or i mean not colonel that's o'neill um captain yeah yeah so he maybe he's just going by her cue could be. But yeah. it still doesn't seem like they've been on missions together. Right, yeah. If they're not even on a first name basis, then uh, then yeah, you're right. <laughs> so they can't find her. So Carter, though, we find is with Abu, who is the one who kidnapped her. I did was a little bit confused because there definitely looked like there were multiple pairs of hands in there grabbing her. Yeah, I noticed that too. But it's just this kid. So again, we don't know a lot about the society. This kid might be super popular and have a lot of friends who are willing to do crazy things with him. So maybe they're just not actually human and just how like the um, the Jaffa have that secret hidden pouch. (laughs) Maybe he has secret hidden arms. (laughs) That's right, Daniel. You're wrong. They're not Mongols. They're aliens with secret arms. Right. (laughs) Shows what you know, Daniel. Yeah. Go back to school. (laughs) seriously so she says you might as well kill me now because she's not gonna talk but he reveals that he kidnapped her because he actually wants to take her to another place and trade her away like you do like you do because ladies are tradable property in Mm -hmm. this society he also like is like men are not as tolerant in this other tribe which why did he even like tell her that? That just makes it I feel like more yeah. <laughs> more motivating for her to get away. Which, by the way, why doesn't she get away from this boy? Yeah, you should. She should. I mean, I think she was tied up at this point, but still, how tied up? From what we see about how badass she is, I feel like she should have been able to probably take him because he's not a very big person. Yeah. So. She also argues that she's not property. I think that's worth mentioning. Yes. I'm a human being, not property. Back at the camp, the rest of SG-1 is still looking for Carter. O'Neill says that they're going to move out in 10, uh, 15 minutes. We don't really know where, but presumably to look 
for her outside of camp because obviously they're not going to be leaving without her. Daniel's trying to be kind of defensive and is like, oh, maybe it's just a misunderstanding. But O'Neill is super pissed at this point, which I did appreciate that he is actually really trying to look out for his team, despite the dissension that they had in the last episode. He really does seem to be concerned about Sam's well-being here. Tilk says that a horse belonging to Abu is missing and that also Abu has been found to be missing. And so it becomes pretty clear that Abu must be the one that took Sam out of the tent since he and his horse are both gone. And um, here we learn that Shabadai value women for trade, especially the beautiful ones, uh, according to the leader. And um, leader daddy, whose name I have already forgotten. Mogul? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Says that he's going to give them horses to guide them and will help to guide them as well, because his son has not only betrayed SG-1, but betrayed him, himself, with his actions of kidnapping Sam when when they were trying to politely host these new visitors. Yeah. 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 Then we are back with uh, Carter and Abu. They're entering this next camp. As they're entering, there's a a bunch of men just kind of standing around, staring as they enter, looking a little bit menacing. Um, But I also thought... Carter is like the most brightly dressed person there, so it seemed like it's a, an easy place for people to look. So mm-hmm. I don't know if they were actually being mean, menacing people, or just like, oh, look, there's an interesting blue streak through our green and tan <laughs> like life. Yeah, and- that's a good question. I had assumed that they were looking at Sam as well, just because she was a woman. But it's also entirely possible that they realized that this was like the son of one of the enemy tribes. That's true leaders and so they might have actually been sneering at him rather than at her it's not actually all that clear i guess yeah a grumpy looking man whose name is turgon okay thank you because in my notes he's super ominous looking guy (laughs) (laughs) which was a lot to type out as yeah (laughs) i eventually just started referring to him as og (laughs) (laughs) sounds good yeah (laughs) so he comes out to to greet them with a big knife that's not a knife That's a knife. That's how I like to greet people. Yeah. Sounds good to me. (laughs) Especially in the COVID times. Maybe, yeah. Especially you could get like a six foot knife to just be like, this is, this is, this is where we're at right now. You have my sword. Yes. Um, Or I guess you could just look mean and carry a big knife. And that's probably enough for most people. (laughs) Forget walking softly and carrying a big stick. (laughs) look mean and carry a big knife (laughs) words to live by from kathy and mary (laughs) we are full of good good advice and ideas oh yeah no one should ever listen to us (laughs) especially not for life advice Uh, the boy said he's here to trade so he's invited into the tent they go in the tent where Grumpy man uh, Turgon is being changed by women, his clothing, um, and he sits down and like spreads out super casual and intimidating at the same time. The boy shows him Carter's face uh, during this uh, negotiation, I guess, and Carter protests that she's been abducted against her will and that people are going to come for her. Her friends will find her. I don't know why she thought he was going to care. Like, I don't, I don't know. He clearly could not give a shit that oh, she yeah. was abducted. So I don't know why she bothered to make that argument. He was basically like, shut up or yeah. <laughs> you're going to you're gonna get a beating. So right. he ends up, um, then he like takes off her hat to like kind of have a look at her and makes her at knife point 
do a little twirl for him so he can look at her. Yeah, that was gross. And there is a point too in that where he is like makes Carter look at him, and the look on her face mm. was so good. <laughs> like, yeah, she was so yeah, she did a good job. Angry, that. very expressive. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, yes, sorry, yes. They start to talk money. Mm-hmm. Basically, he's offering him coin for that, but a girl comes in, and the boy and girl, Abu and the girl, make eyes at each other. Her name is Naya, which that I picked up on immediately. I don't know. Everyone yeah. else's name is like, which is a real word. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's, it, it turns out that he's there to trade a lady for a lady. He wants... <laughs> He wants Naya, and he's willing to give Carter for it. But Turgon's like, uh, no, actually, my daughter's going to marry a desert warlord. And too bad. So here's some money. And you can take it or leave it, but I'm keeping Carter. The girl's very upset. Turgon also hits Carter. I think because Carter said something. I think she was like, how can you do that to your daughter? And, uh... And then he tells her, women don't speak unless spoken to. Yeah, that yeah. was a cringy scene. Yeah. Back out in the forest, SG-1 and Progressive Daddy are tracking Abu and Carter. Progressive Daddy says that he will pay SG-1 for her loss if they don't manage to find her. And Daniel's like, we can't really do that because we don't own her. And this is, of course, surprising to you, uh, Mogul? Yeah. Mogul. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I should have actually written his name in my notes when I figured out finally what his name was. Eh. I mean, I'm not even sure if that's the right pronunciation, but whatever. It sounds about right. Daniel says that he's heard that in their culture in the past, women were sometimes allowed to fight alongside their husbands. But apparently the rules that are in place now that suppress women's rights are meant to appease the demons that brought them to this planet from their original home planet, which of course was Earth. And presumably the gold right yeah. yeah exactly yeah we can assume that the demons are supposed to be the gold here tilk asks why they don't change the laws since the demons are gone so i guess this is one of those planets that the gold have abandoned because it's not helpful to them for whatever reason uh, and so mogul says that he thinks that men just like the fact that even the lowliest man is a chief among his women So apparently it's all right for them to have multiple wives in this society. So Daniel wants to know if this is the reason why um, the leader only has one wife. And uh, he says that even though his people see it as a weakness, he makes it clear that the reason that he's only ever taken one wife is because he loves her. Aww. Yeah. It's adorable. Yeah. Not that cute because he still allows multiple marriages (laughs) to happen, but... Uh, I guess we're supposed to find it cute. <laughs> well, I mean, he's so progressive, though. Like, he even he was, like, so progressive. you know, dialed right into, like, the problem with the power and the oppression is is that people want to feel powerful. And, like, he knows he knows what's up. Yes. but Yeah, at least he realizes it. He might realize that culturally it's not the right time for it to change. But he at least realizes change needs to happen. So I guess that's a good first step, even though he hasn't actually acted on it. Yeah. Well, it's weird because they seem to have very, like, rigid laws. So mm-hmm. making any kind of change, like, 
flouting those at all, I feel like would be a huge change for them. Yeah. So, yeah, he's just not there yet. Right. Which might just be what you just said, so. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um. Doesn't <laughs> And then we see uh, Abu sneak back into uh, Turgon's camp. Um, and he heads straight for Naya's tent to have a little chat with her and tell her that he she needs to come away with him this evening and that she should meet him. That he listened to the wind and that's what's going to happen. I don't want to say they made plans because he just tells her to go meet him at this tree. Mm-hmm. But basically they're making plans. like If she wants. <laughs> she makes it a little unclear as to whether or not she actually plans to join him, but... Uh, yeah, that's kind of the takeaway is that he's attempting to get her to run away with him. Yeah. So elsewhere in the camp, uh, Targan wants to know what Sam uh, is capable of doing. He's asking her about like sewing and cooking. And Sam's like, I don't know how to do any of that garbage. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, well, then what can you do? And she t- says that she's a scholar and a warrior. She does men's work for a living. And he tells her that he raids tents and slaughters men and trades women and children. And he is feared. And because of all of this, he has the allegiance of 22 tribes. And so good for Carter for not really standing down uh, to him at this point, because she's like, well, then why do you have to sell your daughter just to make it 23 tribes? He threatens to kill and torture her. And uh, disgustingly... Sam apologizes. I can't say that I would do any different in this situation because it's a really bad situation she's in, but I was still annoyed that they wrote that into her lines that she demurely apologizes and says, I'm sure you know what's best for your daughter. Yeah. She's doing what she needs to to stay alive. Right. But I'm still annoyed that they wrote it into the script that way, even though in real life, you know, you can't fault her for it, but yeah, but still cringy to me uh, at the moment. And we end the scene with Targan saying that the spirits have brought her to his camp to teach her how to be a woman. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Agree. Super gross. Agree. Yeah. Or the next thing we see is Carter is out chopping some veggies, I guess. I think it's The veggies. next thing we see is Sam's amazing cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> Because as Fair. she's learning woman's work, we get a nice shot of that. <laughs> so that's fun, too, that they have to be covered from head to toe, but they need to show their cleavage. <laughs> yeah. And I was wondering if this was like an intentional decision as they were doing the filming to show that, look, Carter's being feminine and cooking. Let's also make her extra oh. feminine by showing her cleavage because it was like prominent in the shot. <laughs> Yuck. Well, apparently I just didn't notice that. So I just I was like, ooh, veggies. What's she cutting? It looks like veggies. I think it's veggies. So Carter's Carter's chopping her vegetables, and in the background, uh, Naya is a hot mess and is really <laughs> upset. <laughs> and she is whisked away by literally all the women that are out there into a tent. Yeah, uh, I thought that was a little bit weird that like they all just stop and take her uh, away for. I guess. I mean, I guess she's the daughter of the chieftain, yeah, so guess. maybe that's plays into it. But at the same time, the chieftains like send her off to get married in a few days. So right, who knows? But anyway, they they are very concerned and they take her away, which leaves Carter alone to uh, slip a knife into her dress and attempt an escape. So she grabs a horse and gets the hell out of there, but is caught by guards that are out stationed outside the village. Perhaps for just this reason. 
After Sam's been recaptured, she's brought to the leader, and they found her knife in her clothing, and they turn the knife over to him, and he says that the women who were trying to teach her how to be a woman now have to be punished because of her bad actions. She insists that they beat her instead because it was it was her that was acting badly. It wasn't the fault of the women that were looking after her. And he says that he likes spirit and horses, not women. And then, of course, he forcefully kisses her, which is gross, and says that you belong to me and that she will have to be obedient or suffer far worse than a beating. Ugh. Uh, a few seconds later, we learn that that was actually Naya's mom that he was just about to whip with his cat yeah. of nine tails that he had. So he, he had ripped the, the shirt open of the woman and had like picked up this cat of nine tails. And yeah, that was Naya's mom, apparently, that he was about to beat into oblivion. So Naya thanks her, thanks Sam for stopping her father from beating her mom and says that really her father is a good man who only beats women that deserve it. And Sam is like, that's not a thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> women don't deserve yeah. to be beaten no matter what they've done. But Naya is like, well, everybody has enough food and enough water under his rule. So we really have to do whatever he wants. Sam wants to know why she's going along with this marriage when it's clearly something that Naya does not want. And Naya says that she's not free to choose. So she basically has to go along with it. Sam says that eventually, if anything's ever going to change, somebody needs to learn how to say no. And Naya says that she wants to say no and asks Sam if she will help her. And then they shake hands on it. This, I feel like Sam is encouraging somebody to basically to kill themselves. Um, I mean, really? I know that I doesn't happen, that. but well, not in that way. Like, yeah. she's not trying to, but like, oh. going against her father is basically. Mm-hmm. In if SG1's not there, it's going to be a death sentence for this girl. And yeah. Like, it's super risky. It just... Yeah. I was like, wow, you don't have any, like... I mean, she does. She obviously has, like, a stake in this because she's also his prisoner, but... Right. Just, yeah. She's not literally asking her to kill herself, but she's essentially asking her to become a martyr. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... Whew, it's just a lot. And yeah. Absolutely. It, are, it's uh, pretty dark and heavy yeah. at this point. Brave ladies. Yeah. Then we are back with our uh, our boys. They've tracked down the uh, the camp where Sam is being held, and Mogul mm-hmm. uh, says <laughs> this is the this is the the this place belongs to the man who a man who kills for pleasure and takes no prisoners. They're discussing how to go about getting. Oh, there's back. not a he chance in hell. Says if they just go in there, that it'll start a war, and he will kill. Turgon will kill everyone in. Mughal's uh, group, the Shavadai. There right. we go. So he asks, you know, can we wait till morning and request a trade? And Teal'c's like, what's going to happen to Carter if we wait till morning? And he's like, oh, well, I forget exactly what the wording is, but basically he's going to rape Carter. Yeah. And or possibly kill her, given this is Carter. Target. He said that bad guy will partake in his newest pleasure. So gross. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. So O'Neill's like, oh, there's not a chance in hell. No, we're not fucking around. We're going now. So they they go into the village. Then we flip to Carter for a quick sec, who glimpses the team mm-hmm. and looks a little happy and takes the opportunity to start a little fire. Yeah. Um, as a desert- diversion for Naya to escape. Right. Yeah. So the guys are greeted 
pretty peacefully at first, and they are brought to Turgon's tent to discuss how they might be able to get Sam back. O'Neill asks Mogul how much he's okay with spending, and so Mogul offers 350 since they had paid apparently 300 gold uh, or coins or whatever denomination they're using for her. Uh, and then he ups that to 400. O'Neill, even though he doesn't actually have any money that's recognized on this planet, then chips in <laughs> offering 500, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. And Turgon wants to know why they specifically want her when there are so many other women that he could sell them for so much cheaper. So Daniel randomly decides to talk about how she's not only a warrior, but a shaman and helps the Shabbatai to find water and know where to when to plant and where to plant and that she is a chieftain and that her people need her. I don't know why he felt the need to do that. It was super baffling because yeah. he like laid it on super thick and I was like, wow, you're really right. just upping her value. Like yeah, if exactly. you wanted to that get more out of this trade, like <laughs> that could have backfired majorly. I was like, yeah. what are you doing? That's gonna make him want to <laughs> keep her. <laughs> What are, he's just an archaeologist. What does he know about <laughs> negotiation? Fair point. <laughs> Definitely should not be a hostage negotiator for any police departments when he gets back home. No. <laughs> so then Turgon says, well, you have nothing that I want. And of course, because O'Neill just loves firing his gun at <laughs> shit, uh, he fires it into the air and waves it around at Turgon and is like, look how great my weapon is. Don't you want this? <laughs> so now Turgon has a gun. <laughs> One gun. One gun. One gun. One gun. Did he ask? any questions about this yeah well i think that's the joke is it's only one gun and also it has no extra bullets so o'neill does point out as they're like fleeing the village that there's only five rounds in the clip and uh as as they exit turgon is firing it into the air so it's pretty clear that there's not going to be five rounds in there for very long yeah it's just it's one of those like oh super dumb primitive yeah we're so smart like <laughs> exactly we outsmarted the foreigners right Ugh. yep it was it was it was it was a little bit wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot wrong, yeah. actually. I mean, but so was stealing women, so they were both yes, wrong for different true. reasons. <laughs> it is true. <laughs> it was just like through the lens of our society, yes. like the way the treatment of yes. people of color. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, so they're they're back at uh the Shavadai camp mm -hmm. and Carter is back in her SG gear and happy, so happy about it. They referenced some other mission that they went on. I think she said something like, I'm, I've never been so happy to see you guys. And they're like, oh, well, remember that? Remember when you drank that stuff on P3X595? <laughs> and, and this is what makes us think that, yeah, maybe there actually is some more rapport than we actually have reason at this point to think yeah. there might be. Maybe Doctor is Daniel's pet name for her. <laughs> I don't know. Could be. Maybe it's her middle name, and she just likes to go by her middle name instead of her Samantha first name. Samantha Dr. Carter. <laughs> Dr. Samantha Dr. Carter. <laughs> That's got to be it. So Samantha Dr. Samantha Carter... <laughs> They're, they continue talking about how Abu has the madness, and Carter's like, what? And they explain that to the Shavadai, love is madness. And then they, they all kind of talk about how that nobody blames Abu for what, any of what just happened. Right. Which, okay. <laughs> sure. 
Yeah, he's you guys not blameless, are but very forgiving of some really shitty behavior. Yes, but cool. The we cut to a scene early in the morning. Everyone is asleep except for Teal'c, who's kind of keeping an eye on things, and Abu suddenly comes riding up on a horse, but he does not have Naya with him as he was apparently supposed to. Bad guys from the other camp took her back, and she is about to be stoned to death, so Abu begs for everybody's help to prevent this from happening. O'Neill's like, her father ordered her to be stoned, but apparently it is the supposed law that she needs to be stoned for trying to run away or trying to get out of her marriage or whatever they're whatever. saying that her crime is doesn't really matter because obviously she didn't really do anything wrong, but they're like, she needs to be stoned to death anyway. Sam is extremely insistent that they help out, but O'Neill isn't willing to risk the war that would happen if they were to actually intervene to prevent Naya's stoning. Daniel takes the point of view that they don't have a right to interfere, even though he's been interfering in plenty of other cultures on other planets already. All of a sudden, he decides that this is where he's going to draw the line, that they shouldn't be interfering. Well, it's not his wife they're going to stone. So <laughs> This is true. Yeah, it's someone else's future wife they're going to stone instead, so he doesn't need to care. <laughs> Sam continues to argue, we need to save Naya. Moogle argues against saving her as well because, understandably, this is his people that we're talking about and his people would be destroyed. Abu needs to choose between the survival of one woman or the survival of his entire people, his entire race. Logic clearly dictates that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And Abu says he cannot make that choice. Sam refuses to just leave Naya to die when the only reason that Naya broke the law in the first place is because Sam encouraged her to run away. Teal'c argues that one life for many makes no sense. It's all about the greater good. The greater good. How can this be for the greater good? The greater good. Daniel asks if there's maybe something in the old laws that can be helpful to them. And uh, Abu suddenly gets all excited about this. And is like, of course, there must be something. And so, of course, convenient plot device. Moogle can think of something in the old laws that can help them out here. Who would have thought? Oh, my God. <laughs> amazing. That's amazing. Like that. He just pulled that right out of his head. Just sitting there waiting to be called upon that mm -hmm. that one law. Yeah. Yep. Who'd have thought? Um <laughs> So next we uh, we flip to we flash to flip to we we are next in uh, back in Turgan's village where Naya is surrounded by men holding rocks while uh, Dad prepares to give the kill order. She 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 asks her father to forgive him. Her she asks her father to forgive her, <laughs> and he leans in and whispers, not even, barely even audibly, like. Which I actually thought was pretty surprising, given that he seems like such a terrible person. I actually was not expecting him to to say that. Yeah, I was <clears throat> I was surprised, but also like 
maybe deep down he just follows the law mm. i don't know but mm. yeah i mean that's kind of the impression i think we're supposed to get is that deep down he's not a terrible person he's just trying to uphold the law i mean obviously he but is no, a terrible he's person a terrible but i person. think that's the impression yeah. that they're trying to maybe give us maybe. even though i am not convinced <laughs> that he is not a bad person or maybe it's like a fuck you like i forgive you because the next thing is stone her right yeah he still <laughs> orders her to be put to death a second yeah. later so yeah but in the nick of time, convenient, the SG crew and uh, Mogul and they all show up Phew. and they're like, hold on, we challenge the stoning or they say the stoning can be challenged by another chieftain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, uh, uh, Mogul says something like when they're talking about what the law is. He says, like, the spirit will strengthen the hand of the just. And I was like, that doesn't sound like an applicable law. I don't know (laughs) what you're saying. Like, maybe they were communicating telepathically what this law, ancient law, that neither of them remembered till that moment was. But it didn't. Whatever the law is, it can be challenged. Maybe the spirit was strengthening the hand and also reminding of the law. Maybe. <laughs> but anyway, he accepts that it can be challenged, but then he's not willing, uh, Turgon's not willing to accept Mogul as his challenger because Mogul's an old man whose ass is going to get totally kicked. <laughs> and he doesn't, he refuses to be put in that situation where he's doing that. And so suddenly, conveniently, since Daniel uh, told Turgon that Sam was a chieftain, Sam takes off her helmet and is like, I'm a chieftain and I challenge you. (gasps) Oh my god. And then he says, you plague me. (laughs) (laughs) I missed that. Did he actually say that? I completely missed that somehow. Yeah, he does. (laughs) That's amazing. I'm going to start insulting people with that. (laughs) It's especially pertinent in these days. (laughs) Agreed. That's like that's a great insult. <laughs> so then he says, "Let the spirits decide," <laughs> and yeah. we move on a little while later to the yeah. fight scene. O'Neill is talking to Sam, and he's like, "You've got some kind of training in hand-to-hand combat, right?" And it turns out that yeah, of course, because she's an awesome badass, she does have some hand-to-hand yeah. combat training. And it isn't until Sam gets in the arena that we realize that this is actually supposed to be a fight to the death. So Turgon pulls out his. Not huge sword, but still a way bigger sword than Sam has yeah. to start the fight. Thankfully, Sam does have a knife, so she's not like completely un- unarmed here. And it actually takes a surprisingly short time for Sam to get in a nice stab wound there. Tis but a scratch. Hopefully, the Shabbatai are going to share some of their amazing medicine <laughs> with him because that could end really badly for him, given um. that it was like in his mid stomach and that's. Uh, prone to get an infection due to the proximity of the intestines there Ugh. so that could be the start of the whole like trading war for trade it could like, yeah oh uh, yeah it could the beginning of a beautiful friendship yeah it could be long story short she gets knocked down but then she gets back up again and you can never gonna keep her down <laughs> and she gets him to drop his sword and then takes him down and has her knife to his throat Naya begs for his life because it is her father, and even though he's a dick, she apparently loves him because that's her dad. But Sam is waiting for him to say a few things. One of those is that Naya is free, 
which he says he she is also waiting for him to say that they will not have any kind of war or repercussion against the Shabbatai, which apparently would be against the law. So he says that they will not attack the Shabbatai. And then lastly, he says that Sam has won and she is free to go. Ooh, yay knives. <laughs> I, I don't understand the point of a fight to the death if you can just at the end be like, I'm not going to kill you. Yeah, like, and that, that's such a common <laughs> plot device, too. So many books and movies and shows yeah. are like, it's a fight to the death until the end when the person decides not to kill the person after all, and then it's not, actually. I, and in, in general, I feel like the opponent's pretty okay with that. Like, I'm sure they it sucks to lose, but, you know, they're not dead. Right. But in a... And I don't think Turgan would argue, yes, you need to kill me because it's the law, but... If they're, they've been so rigid about the law up until this point, why is this a thing they can decide not to right. do? I don't know. And then we're back in the Shavadai camp. Uh, Carter is all smiles. Yay! The um, Avu and Naya are getting married, and SG-1 is invited, but they are not going to stay because it is a six-day wedding ceremony. I would still think that Daniel would want to be in on this, given his history as an anthropologist and his True. interest and excitement to learn about ancient cultures that are still actually existing yeah. on other planets. But he, he doesn't care. He doesn't yeah. want it, apparently. He's like, uh, I've seen one wedding. I've seen them all. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Which is totally how anthropologists are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so they, you know, there's, you know, some, you know, goodbyes and well wishes. Daniel wishes them many sons <laughs> and Carter elbows him and is like, and daughters. <laughs> And then, as a final act of uh, gratitude to SG-1, Mughal, you know, says, be free. And then, all of a sudden, the ladies can take off their face coverings. Woo! And there's applause. And then, then like, a line of ladies, like, hee, 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 we're so excited. Ha! <laughs> they titter femininely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's a very happy goodbye scene It is them. a happy goodbye yeah. scene. So, we exit the episode with uh, everybody returning to the gate presumably to return home they're talking about how uh, helpful this new anesthesia drug might be but that unfortunately no one can ever know where it came from and o'neill's all disappointed because he can't go on oprah to talk about his amazing discovery <laughs> and then teal says what is an oprah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was pretty good <laughs> <laughs> that did make me, make me giggle. <laughs> I enjoy Teal'c's deadpan. I don't understand your culture. Yes. It's, yeah. <laughs> I agree. So that's the episode. Kathy, yeah. did you like the episode? I'm not super fond of this episode. No? I have to say, I don't. I don't. It did. It just seemed like a weird episode in general. Mm -hmm. And then also, I. It the whole premise is super gross yeah oh yeah <laughs> i don't think that this episode was true to her character or mm. i mean in some ways it was but like they're literally why didn't she just escape when abu kidnapped her right that the right there like i she it didn't seem like she'd be like uh oh let's see how this goes like daniel might right <laughs> why why would she hang around she seems pretty self-sufficient she should have yeah. been able to get away so i i feel like it fell apart for me there mm -hmm. yeah i am uh not a big fan of this episode either it's one of my least favorites probably not my very least favorite but it is one of my least favorite episodes and i had forgotten that it happened so early on yeah uh, in this series it's frustrating to me because they spent so much time 
in the in the first couple episodes trying to show like what a badass kind of feminist superhero Carter is and then they completely knock her down in the middle of this episode and they do give her the chance to redeem herself at the end but it's frustrating that they wrote her into a spot where she needed to redeem herself in the first place after having already established her as a strong female lead character Uh, agree this episode was written by a woman named Catherine Powers who wrote a notoriously disliked episode of Star Trek The Next Generation as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are actually a large number of similarities. Um, I think her name... Oh, did really? I say, yeah, her name... I think I said her name was Catherine mm-hmm. Powers. Yeah. I can't remember if I said that already. Um, I don't want to, like, denigrate her because there were subsequent... Epi- uh, like, I looked at her writing credits and mm-hmm. there are subsequent episodes of this show that I really like. So I think that, in general, she she's a good writer. Yeah. But this episode was not great. Neither mm-hmm. was Code of Honor. Which here is my little check mark thing of things that are sim- similar. So oh, the, yeah. ne- the Netflix description of Code of Honor of Star Trek: The Next Generation, which I think is the fourth episode of TNG as well of mm-hmm. season one. Oh really? Yeah. As the leader of an alien culture takes a romantic interest in Lieutenant Yar and claims her for his own to the dismay of his wife. So here are the- here's my list of similarities. So in TNG, they go to the planet because they need a vaccine that this culture has. And in this episode, they want to keep on this, the good side of the people on this planet uh, in Stargate because they have maybe some anesthesia that mm. um, would be helpful to them. In Code of Honor, they say that the folks have a similar history as humans and similar humanoid form, form and resemble an ancient Earth culture, which obviously also happens... Which, is a lot of Stargate, right. frankly. Um, <laughs> the the chief is surprised that Tasha Yar is the chief of security because she's a woman. Both includes two ass-kicking, short-haired, blonde women. And then it also, there's a prime directive-like element to it mm-hmm. where Star Trek obviously has the prime directive, but then Daniel's like, oh, we shouldn't get involved in this culture, yeah. culture's laws. They're both, they both involve a culture that has, they're visiting a culture with rigid structures and rules. And both of them, in both cases, the, the law is considered antiquated. They both involve a fight to the death in which a blonde woman does <laughs> not intend and so- doesn't kill the opponent, but still wins. So they're pretty much identical episodes, just yeah. different characters, uh, both set in outer space. But yeah. one is uh, on a planet that yeah. has ancient culture and another one is also on a planet with yeah. ancient culture. Yeah, and just so the for same fun, episode. <laughs> people, sorry, just for fun, the last point is people of color falling all over the white woman. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I hate that trope. And I did notice that um, Turgan said how much he liked Carter's pale skin and blue eyes and I was like, ugh, ugh. seriously? <laughs> yeah. So that's my list. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's so many similarities. It's like, she just ran out of ideas and I was like, eh, I'm just gonna use this same trope again maybe <laughs> uh, that's weird yeah so what do we have coming up next so what we have coming up next and this time instead of blindly wandering around the internet <laughs> trying to find a good description i have pulled out the booklet that came with my set of dvds and that is what oh. i'll be reading from fabulous yeah uh, which i actually think matches what hulu says but hulu cuts off their description and i can't figure out how to gotcha. view it on my computer anyway the next episode is The Broker Divide. Returning from a planet with both a civilized and a primitive side, all but two of the team become infected and spread a brutal virus. 
Will Teal'c and Jackson find the cause, or are their colleagues doomed to become Stone Age primitives? All but two of the team. So half, half. of the team. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a weird way to word it, but sure. Agreed. <laughs> All right. Um, I forgot about that episode. And as I recall, I don't like that one either. So it gives me something to look forward to for next time as well. Yay. Yay. Until then, you can uh, find us on uh, pretty much any podcatcher that is out there. So make sure that you hit subscribe, Apple, Google Play, Spotify, whatever your preferred podcatcher might be. Uh, we're going to be aiming to release episodes every other Monday. You can email us at stargatesing at gmail.com, S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E-Z-I-N-G. And you can find us on Twitter at at stargatesing. If you're feeling generous, you can also find us on patreon.com slash stargatesing. I am Mary. I'm Kathy. And this has been Stargatesing. The end. The end. Um, so he takes he, the uh, Abu avoid. Um, <laughs> Are you Abu. having a stroke over there? <laughs> Every time I say Abu, I just think about the monkey in Aladdin and I'm trying I know, not me to. Me too, and I was going to say that at some point too. But yeah. yeah. <laughs>